is Three People in Your Head, a podcast about getting the best out of yourself and others. Sponsored by the International Transactional Analysis Association and the European Association for Transactional Analysis. It's really that early sense that we made of the world and ourselves in it when we were very young. It may be decisions that we made as a child in order to survive and get on with the world and the environment that we were in and the people that we were with. And it's like those early decisions that we made, the early pattern that we used to make sense of the world and ourselves is one that we stay fixed with sometimes. And that maybe we use to make sense of the world today when it actually isn't relevant for today. So it's like it's an old story. It's the old script that we decided on when we were younger that may not be updated. Yeah, uh, thank you, Adrian. It reminds me of the idea that this script is old. And I wonder what it will be for children in, let's say, 20 years when they have put Corona or COVID-19 into their script, because that is, I think that is so fascinating Parents at home, working at home, doing homeschooling, are not able, are not allowed to go out and see friends. I wonder what that does to script in 20 years or so. Yeah, absolutely. Picking up on what Adrian was saying about script, what I want to bring in here is the idea not just of individual script, not even just of family script, but ideas of national script. I think I can't speak for Germany or India, But certainly what we're seeing in the UK at the moment is bringing in of the old national scripts about we're refighting the Second World War and we're using all kinds of language about Britishness and all those things, which for many of us are completely past and finished and nothing to do with the way we think about the world now. But it's being evoked for all sorts of reasons, which we might talk about in the next few minutes. Um, and I think it's really important here to, to remember that our script isn't just something that we, our own story that we've created for ourselves, it's within a story that a whole society creates about itself. And I think that's been both promoted and maintained at the moment, and also very much challenged. And I'll say more about that later. So when I hear each of you talk about script and um, whether it's the new script or it's the emerging script, and I'm also, we're in a TA group, I've actually been thinking for the past few days on the term autonomy. And in India, the term is really relational autonomy. And that is, I think, in India, which till now we've lived denying maybe from the 50s when we really got involved in Western psychology is for us, relational autonomy is about our values, our sense of independence is based on the other. It is interrelated. And I think for us in India, what really the COVID has highlighted is our collectivist thinking about the we and not just the I. And therefore, I do think that in India, a lot of Indians, because of the COVID-19, are actually going back to the older Indian script, 
where we actually believed in collectivism. And we were somewhere pre-COVID, we were just really in a lost space because we were neither individualistic nor were we collectivist. And we were in that lost space. And what COVID has done, it's really emphasized for us in the value of collectivism in our culture. Let's start with script. I love really the part of script because I can use it when I coach, give therapy to people. But I really love the work of Rosa Krauts on organizational script. And so she is doing the live positions. She combined the live positions with main themes in organizations like people, time, money, places. So she combines them and says, okay, this is what an organization is doing. And then you come to, do you know the interlocking script? The definition of interlocking script? No. So there's a great concept where I forgot his name, but he says that the script of the organization is sometimes locked into the script of the person. Yeah. And I can see with many of the teams I work with that sometimes people choose their jobs and choose organizations that fits into their own script. Right. And that stimulates their own scripts and keep it apart, keep it living. So, so it's really interlocking. So with that, I'm just going to ask you a question now. If we've got members of the public listening and they're kind of new to TA, how would you define script as simple as possible? I know this is a bit of a test of you for your teacher role now. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think Trudy Newton said it's an explanation for the past, it's a prediction for the future, and it's a blueprint for the present. Brilliant. And I really love that definition because it's not only about the blueprint of our past. Now you have some tools to work with in the present to create another future. Okay. And so you're, you're really interested in the way that an individual's script works or interlocks with an organization's script and why yeah, people or the, or choose. The, yeah, or the team script. Okay. If you think of script as a theater play, yeah. Uh, you have the main characters and you have all these actors on the stage. And uh, I think your script is like that. Uh, it's like a play that we put into place. There were the main characters when we were born that were there and uh, that influenced our life, the way we were brought up, yeah. the message that we got, the models that we got from our parental or um, figures of authority. It can be also teachers or uncles or your brothers and sisters, all kinds of people can really impact on our script. Yeah. And I think that's also what is fascinating about the development of script is that at the beginning, Byrne talked about, you know, father and mother. Yeah. Uh, but then it, it evolved. And now we see that there can be so many actors. So mm-hmm. the, the script is the vehicle, the way we construct, we make meaning of life. The script gives a structure. And, uh, and we know that structure is one of the three fundamental hangers that Byrne is talking about. Mm. So scripts help us making meaning of what's happening uh, and also trying to solve problems and, and see what are the beliefs we have on ourselves and the others on the world. There's also hope in the script. What else can I go- do differently? How do I want my life to move forward? 
Mm. And I think if I think of the clients when they come to see me, there is this hope when they come in consultation. They really, there is something they would like to change. And it's really Fanita English who was the first to talk about street in a positive, really positive way. And as a vehicle that allows us to blossom rather than inhibits our being. Of course, there can be very strong inhibitions, prohibitions, uh, script messages that can be dramatic. And I don't want to discount that at all. Uh, But it's not only that. It's really a, a structure that allows us, if I take Fanita's words, to blossom mm. uh, and to to move on yeah. in the structure that it gives. I define by script is a series of unconscious relational patterns mm-hmm. that inhibit spontaneity limit flexibility in problem solving, health maintenance, and in relationship with people. Okay. So there, the, the symptoms of that then would be the common mental health issues that people occur. Relationships with people. Yeah. And difficulty in managing health issues, yeah. either uh, such as smoking, excessive drinking, obesity, physiological exercise. Yeah, all the things that a medical profession is concerned about. Why doesn't a person take good care of themselves? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What kind of relationship problems do they have? And can they solve problems in their life? Yeah. Uh, For example, a woman in my workshop uh, not long ago was talking about how she could not write her examination. Every time she'd come home from work, she would sit down to write, uh, but her desk was a mess full of unopened mail and things, and she would get 10 minutes into writing and go blank. Okay. And I started investigating, well, what was it like for you coming home from school doing homework as a little mm-hmm. kid? Mm-hmm. She came home to an alcoholic mother. Okay. The house was a mess. She had to get her mother cleaned up. She had to do the cooking. She had to do the house cleaning. Right. And there was that old pattern that she had learned that she'd actually even forgotten about Uh without some careful inquiry as part of it. And this is why it was unconscious, because it was out of her awareness. That's right. Yeah. Right. Now, how are these patterns formed? That's been a whole debate in the literature. And each of the various schools of therapy has focused on the various ways of informed. Hmm. What I talk about in my articles is they're formed by physiological survival reactions. These are when there is ruptures in relationship mm-hmm. that happen very early in life mm-hmm. before there is language. Now, the kid may have some words, yeah. but before they have conceptual language, where they really understand things. Mm-hmm. So is that particular age two? Zero. Zero to six. Okay. Mm-hmm. Would you think that it's uh, pre-birth as well, stuff that happens while the baby's in the womb? Can be. Can be. Yeah. Can be. Certainly traumatized mother. Yeah. It's, it's right across the center. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have any really good scientific evidence yeah. Yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. But we have a lot of anecdotal evidence. Yes. Yeah. So that when that child is under stress, 
the body tightens up. Yeah. So the script is in the body. Yeah. Then you have that other period of time where the child has some words, some vocabulary, but they don't have concept. They don't understand family dynamics. Yeah. Mom and dad are fighting, and the kid says, oh, it must be my fault. Yeah. Or if I'm really good, then daddy won't be drinking. Yeah. Or if I'm really helpful, mama won't be depressed. Yeah. So it's not like they made a decision, but they came to a conclusion. Right. Like one of my clients, she kept saying, oh, I'm of no value. Uh, and I finally said, well, when did you decide that? Yeah. And she looked at me and laughed. I didn't decide that. In my family, girls are of no value. I'm kid number five. I had four other brothers. My father worshipped them. I came along. My only job was to help mama. Wow. I was of no value. I never decided that. that was, that's normal. That's how it is. Yeah. Right? So when you have these unconscious relational patterns that occur as implicit memory yeah. rather than the explicit memory, then you need a different kind of approach to psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. Then you get the events that happen that you might remember from age 10 or 12 or, or maybe even as young as 8 where something happened and made a decision. I'm never going to do that again. Yeah. Like, yeah. I won't trust people again. Yeah. Or I won't take a risk again. Yeah. Or I give up on school. Yeah. And those are explicit decisions. Yeah. That's another kind of therapy. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we have script that's interjection, like parentivosity. Can you explain interjection? Yeah. Because it's an unconscious, defensive identification. Or maybe you better say an unconscious self-protective identification Correct. Okay. with the thoughts, feelings, behaviors of a significant other mm -hmm. that occurs in the absence of full relational contact. Okay. So when you don't, when that kid doesn't have a full relational contact mm -hmm. where their relational needs are not being met, you have a vacuum. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> That's the yeah. sucking sound yeah. of that kid taking in the attitude or the behavior of their parents. Right. Yeah. And that forms another kind of script. Right. So now if you look at the TA literature, we've got different ways of working. Mm -hmm. You've got explicit memory. Yeah. Ideal for redecision therapy. Right. Maybe using an empty chair. Yeah. Yes. And putting the whoever the other person is on the other chair, talking to them, coming to the emotional expression, realizing what decision they made, and changing it, making a new decision. Okay. Yeah. And Bob and Mary Goulding, in their book, Redecision Therapy, covers that very well. Yes. In my book, Integrative Psychotherapy in Action, that's about redecision therapy. Right. When it comes to implicit conclusions, then you need a relational therapy. Okay. That's not something that happened on a specific day at a specific time. Yes. But it's an accumulation. Yeah. Of yeah. Event after event. From a certain environment and climate. That's right. It's criticism after criticism yeah. after criticism. Yeah. Right. Neglect after neglect. And the person just comes to conclusions. Mm. Oh, I'm worthless or people can't be trusted yeah. or life is suffering. Right. Mm -hmm. 
So that's another way of working, and that's why you get a lot of transactional analysts focusing on relational psychotherapy. Yeah. And some others are focusing on redecision. Yeah. Well, people will need both. Yes. And then the younger the neglect or the trauma, the more it's going to be in the body. In the body, yeah. Or the more severe the trauma, even at a later age, it's going to be in the body. Okay. So a 12-year-old who's being beaten by his father, yeah. that's, that script's going to be in, in the, the body yeah. tissue. Yeah. Or a 13-year-old, 14-year-old girl who's being molested by s some neighbor. Yeah. It's, that script is going to be caught in her body. Mm -hmm. So I've pushed for a long time in TA that we have a bodily-oriented therapy. Yes. Uh, that doesn't mean that every therapist is going to touch the client. Yeah. But that we'd be focused on what's happening in the body. Where's the constriction? Yeah. Yes. Where's the tense muscles? Yes. Then also something that I did pioneer, and you asked earlier, is writing about treatment of the parent ego state, treatment of that interjected script. Okay. Of how we have the person imagine being their parent and provide real psychotherapy for their image and their parent that they carry in their head. Mm -hmm. And there's been some remarkable changes in people's lives through that kind of therapy. Yes. So we're talking about several different types of transactional analysis when applied in psychotherapy. Yeah, okay. The TA model, I think, is it's a model of ego, really. It's, mm. It develops probably from, you know, two onwards when we start developing our script. So then I think, oh, actually, there's quite a lot that's happened before that. Mm. One sense is, is as much of the essence of me than what developed after that. So if I think about script developing, you know, from a time when we've got cognition and words, not necessarily that many words, but, you know, we've We've got a way to symbolize and we've got a way to understand the world. And underneath that, there's a whole part of our existence that isn't really accounted for. Mm. But Eric Byrne wrote about, he wrote about protocol as the foundation of script. So this is what happens in the very, very earliest weeks, months of our life, or even in gestation, I imagine. Yeah. Okay, I'm getting what you mean by from the bottom up now. And now I'm thinking about some of the models in educational TA that I've really connected with, which is um, the cycle of development, and particularly with the stage becoming, which wasn't initially in the cycle of development, it was an addition. And it is in child development meant to represent the nine months of gestation. And for me in my own journey, that's been a really important part of understanding who I am, what makes me tick, why my script is the way that I am. But you're right. Traditionally, script theory would have been from two or three, seven or whatever it is. So what you're saying is that you're trying to account, not trying, you are accounting for this bit that comes before that, which isn't about ego. It's about, you use the word essence. Yeah, I think that's the way that I, I like to think about it. And of course, it's not just the essence of us. It's the essence of the culture into which we were born. And I was thinking about the educational TA because Giles has written a beautiful article on um, natality. Mm. He really writes about the coming into life. So that's what I'm meaning about the kind of bottom up. 
TAs incredibly attractive, I think, for people to make meaning of the world. When I first came to it, I thought, oh my God, that's why I do that. Oh, that's why I do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredibly enlivening and it has limitations if, if we keep it just to script, I think, that we can really start to unfold what happened before then. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I just want to probe you on one thing before we continue on this. You mentioned protocol a while ago that Eric Byrne had written about protocol. Could you tell us a little bit more about that and what that means? Well, he wrote about it in his earlier books and then he wrote about it in, I think, 1972, actually. The What Do You Say Say Hello, actually, it's mentioned. He didn't write an awful lot about it, but he wrote about it as the foundation or the analge, I've never really understood that word, the analge before scripts. So it's really just what I've said. But the difficulty is that it's kind of unknowable. Mm. I wrote something about the ineffable quality of protocol monkeys, unknowable. Mm. So then I think we have to feel it. So that's where I get really excited about Eric Burns' emphasis on phenomenology. We have always the diagnosing, you know, he talks about diagnosing ego states. Ego states, yeah. We've got the behavioral, the social, the historical, and the phenomenological. And uh, because it's such a difficult word to say, people forget it a lot. (laughs) 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 So I often think that TA gets reduced to the social, behavioral, and historical. Ah. Well, in fact, Burns said, until you have all four methods of diagnosing ego states, then you don't do it, really. So we have to get a sense of people's felt sense, as well as their narrative. The felt experience, yeah. Yeah, the lived experience. The lived experience. I think it's the felt experience too, but I don't think it's just about emotion. Mm. It's about the lived experience, which is often got to through an emotion or through feeling. As always, if you found anything in today's episode interesting, please feel free to reach out. You can visit our website, which has lots of information and TA resources, transactionalanalysispodcast.com. You can connect with us on all major platforms, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And you can email us at threepeopleinyourhead at gmail.com using the number three rather than the word. If you aren't already, Please follow us wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening. Sponsored by the International Transactional Analysis Association. You can find more information on the ITAA at www.itaaworld.org and the European Association for Transactional Analysis. You can find more information on IATA at www dot yata news dot org